0: Grassroots www.innovationstudios.com I am Marcus, and it's really, really nice to hear from you again, or at least you're hearing from me. What else would you be listening to at this time of year? I'm sure um, that some of you are fans now. Thanks for your subscriptions. Thanks for following me uh, on Spotify and various other um, social media platforms. So Q&A, the grassroots music aimed at that musician who is constantly buying or boiling his strings in hot water in order to get through another week. Yeah, that's an old trick, apparently, that a lot of guitar players and a lot of bass players used to do. It doesn't really hear so much about it these days, but um, used to boil their strings um, once a week and then put them back on because apparently it got all of the nasty stuff off of them. So I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily advise it, but I can tell you that those who did do it... Um, seemed happy enough with it. So there we are. Um, as usual, I will give you my opinion. I've got some questions this week. I've got quite a few to get through this week, actually. Um, and I will do my best to do that as we wind down um, 2020. Not that I'll really miss it, if I'm honest with you. I was tempted not to put my clock back uh, on the 25th of October because I don't really need an extra hour of this year. Um, but um, I will always, as we wind down to Christmas, give you my honest opinion. They are just my opinions. That's all they are, just based on the knowledge that I have accumulated over many years of being on the road. And we'll start straight away. Um, thank you for your email from Alan in Biggleswade. Ah, oh, yeah, Bedfordshire. Um, and Alan says, I am learning guitar. I just wondered what I needed to buy to get started. Okay, so uh, in my opinion... Um, obviously, I'm assuming you you're obviously getting a guitar. So, in my opinion, get get a guitar, get a tuner. You don't necessarily need a strap, although a lot of places do do that and give you that option of having a strap as well. But I, I don't know. Um, so a guitar, a tuner, a couple of plectrums, and I say a capo. Now, other people, but I think I think you should get yourself a capo because there are going to be songs that once you get a few basic. Uh, chords you'll be able to use the capo and to play along with these songs without really uh, testing yourself way 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 back um, when we uh, had water wall uh, around 95 96 and my brother joined um, and uh, he was a, a guitar player and he was um, kind of learning and, and we said the best way to learn is put put yourself in the band situation and what we did was try to make it easy as easy as we could by using the capo and we would try and transpose things over for the chords that he knew. And in the end, he didn't need it. But initially, it it kind of cut a few corners and helped a few people. Uh, helped helped him to get his, um, you know, chords and get his song structures sorted out. And it made our job a little bit easier. Although we'd have the initial headache of saying, "Oh God, what um, what capo are you on?" To but you know, if you're playing an A, if you capo on three, yeah, that's what we're in. We're in C. Um, it made the the process of moving along a lot quicker. Uh, I'm sure that will come come up at another time in, in with regards to the quickest way to learn or the most you know the the most effective way to learn. But in that case, it was to bring him into the band under any at any cost with a capo so that he was able to play along with the songs and we could transpose them and and get the job done. And uh, in the end, he didn't need it. But get yourself a capo. That's all you need, Alan. And then obviously you need. Uh, a teacher or a tutor, and I am available online, sir. And you can find me uh, at innovationstudios.com dot com, or you can have a look at my YouTube ten minute tutorials, which links will I'm sure uh, appear on the website or on various other um, social media platforms that are linked to Innovation Studios. So, Alan, all you need is a guitar. Don't get a mega expensive guitar. There there are some really really good ones one of the ones i recommend and again i probably have 200 comments underneath my feet saying what what's this guy on about um but there is uh, there's one called a thin line um and i think uh, gear for music do it and it's a thin line acoustic it's electric acoustic but um it, the one that i have and the, and i've got two or three uh, of my students that use them and and they just they seem okay to learn on the action is quite nice if you're a complete beginner and you know sometimes um it's some people like to learn on a classical because the um nylon strings are a lot easier to play so it's one of those catch 22s but i would recommend maybe a thin line from gear for music um which i'm assuming they still make them if they don't please let me know and i'll try and uh, help you to source another one and just get it on there. They may do a package with a case and all sorts of other things as well. You know, a, a soft case to put your guitar in, keep it safe, so the dog doesn't knock it over. Um, but most of all, guitar plectrums, a capo, um, and a tuner. And then, obviously, if you if you look at my my ten minute tutorials online, the very first one takes you through how to use the tuner and what you're looking to do and things like that. I mean, I'm not touting in the business. There are plenty of people out there that are doing lessons. But as you emailed me, I had a fighting chance of throwing my hat in the ring with regards to maybe doing some work with you online, uh, Alan. So that's all you need, Alan. And Hopefully you'll get yourself started, mate, because we're going to need more and more people doing music because uh, so many more of them are packing up music because they've got to find another job at the moment. So all the best to you, Alan, and thank you very much for your question. Good way to start. The next question comes from Richard in Aylesbury. I tell you what, I'm branching out a bit. I'm as far as Aylesbury now, up there towards... Uh, I say it's towards Milton Keynes, but it's nowhere near Luton Way, isn't it? Um, Richard in Aylesbury says, do you prefer stomp boxes or multi-effects? Um, right, okay. Personal preference, stomp boxes, but... Um, the the reason is I always like the idea. I mean, whenever I've seen these programs and they uh, the things on YouTube and there's a, there are a few really, really great things on YouTube and I'm sure that, but premier guitar do a thing called rig rundown and they are lucky enough. And I wouldn't mind their job to um meet famous guitar techs, if you like, or famous guitarists in some cases. And they talk about their setup on stage and uh, what they use and, um, and there's one on there for Slash and there's one on there for Brian May and there's one on there for, uh, you know, ACDC and all these great bands. And what I would noticed was how many of them use stomp boxes. And I, uh, from my point of view, when I first started out all of the years ago, the multi-effects units um, back then were things like, I think they had Zoom had one, um, and uh, I, I just couldn't get on with them whereas a stomp box you could you'd look down and you'd say okay I've got overdrive maybe chorus maybe um you know delay and if at any time something isn't right you can make a quick tweak and that seems to be the pattern when you see these rig rundowns that a lot of them are using stomp boxes rather than multi effects because if something is not right they can just literally shout to the wing or, or get in touch with their Uh, guitar tech and say the choruses, there's too much on the chorus can you roll a bit off and i think with the multi-effects you have to kind of go into it sort it all out and but i mean i've worked with people who use multi-effects and and get get on great with it but i think they only tend to use maybe two or three channels and they're kind of i I don't know i mean stomp boxes i always like because they are all individual things and yes you've got that um Kind of, you know, a lot of batteries, lots of units, but there are enough things, enough power units that can power a good, a good range of them. And I, and I think they look better as well. You know, you have a great big rack of, uh, well, not rack, but a great big uh, pedal board of of different effects and stomp boxes. The only problem is that if you're a singer as well as a guitar player, it's not always easy to have that many. Under your microphone or to the right of your microphone. So if you have too many stomp boxes, um, then you know. I mean, in my case, being being the height I am, I'm a bit taller than most people, six foot seven. Um, I find that the microphone is pretty much on 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 um, as high as it can go anyway. So the 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 more I kind of use the boom and and move it across the pedals, the less stable it is. Um, but I imagine if you're about five, seven, five, eight, you've got a nice, you can get the microphone to, to reach across the pedals or you can move the pedals slightly to the right. Look, there are ways around it. Okay. It's not the end of the world, but it just came to me as I was talking. So for me, uh, Richard, it's always, uh, stomp boxes. Um, maybe when I'm recording, uh, not so much if, if I'm recording there, there are a couple of things that are out at the moment. There's a moor, uh, pedal uh, you know it, the the name of it escapes me but it's a Moa multi-effect and that seems to be the latest thing on the market but my favorite is still the line six pod it just still sounds great and it's 20 years old uh, i use that uh, live when i'm when i'm uh, working in the um the oasis duo um i take that out live because i don't want amps and things like that you, it's a nice easy setup and um i can get what i want from that so there are times where i do use multi effects but but the the sound for noel is pretty much so the one that i have is uh clean overdrive overdrive with delay overdrive with um delay and you know a bit more uh boost for the solos that's it four settings and i go to work and that's it so um i keep it simple i always prefer stomp boxes and if somebody said to me tomorrow, you can have 10 multi effects or you can have five stomp boxes, I'd take five stomp boxes. I feel like I could get a lot more out of it. And um, I think it's so much easier to just tweak the individual effects and get it exactly where you want. It's it's more foolproof than pressing a load of buttons, going into programs, saving stuff. It's That can drive you insane. So for me, it is stomp boxes, Richard and Alisbury. Thank you very much for your question. If I'm up that way, um, and I do play a venue in Alresbury, so I will let you know. And hopefully, you might come down and we might have a drink. Thanks, mate. Innovation Studios is the perfect place for any aspiring singer-songwriters to take their journey to the next level. Whether that be starting at the basics and building a solid foundation on your first instrument, learning the best ways to perform your first open mic, or refining your current set with an experienced performer or recording a polished album at the highest of standards. With soundproof walls and perfect ambience and acoustics, our studio is also a great place for a budding producer to learn their craft, hone their skills, and begin producing music. Check out what we have to offer throughout our website. Go to www.innovationstudios.com. Next question is Nathan in Onga. uh, Towards Brentwood there, yes. Nathan says, let's have a read of this. Watching your loop sets online on YouTube, I wondered what you use and how you use it. Okay, well, I use, Nathan is referring to the grassroots um, UK YouTube channel where there's a couple of my sets on there um, for Thames Delta music that I did. Uh, There's one on there from, um, I think it was Colchester University that I played, and there's a few on there from the ship in um, Grey's um and there's one or two um other performances um that I'd played there and I used a looper um and Nathan has asked me what do I use and how do I use it well you have to you, you have to use it in the right way i use three uh digitech jammen um xts which are just little jam jam pedals little loop pedals um and what i do is i loop them uh, I used to use I used to put my acoustic guitar through um an octave pedal which would give me a little bit of bass but I uh, that that for some reason would send a hum through the signal and I couldn't work that out so eventually I got rid of those uh, and I just added a little bit of bass through the uh, through the PA just to kick it in there um so what I use is I use 3 of them and I kind of label them back to front so I put from my guitar I go down into three which then goes across into two and then goes across into one and the reason that that's and then from one to the PA um, or the amp and the reason I do it that way is because anything that I'd that I would record on the first pedal I go into if I then decide to record something on the next pedal along in a loop from the guitar to the amp then it would pick it up. You see it would, and by the time I got to the third pedal and tried to record something, it would pick up what was on the first two pedals. But working backwards, Nathan, um, so I go into three and then two, one. One is the last one before the amp. And what happens is I put the drums on one. And by by drums, I basically mean that I play like a drum pattern on the acoustic guitar that uh, drives itself along. It your timing has to be right. Don't get me wrong, but if your timing is right on pedal one, which is the last pedal before the PA, I hope you're keeping up. Then you're able to step over now to two, um, and two can now be anything that you put on two comes directly from the guitar. It doesn't go through the loop pedal first. That's why you're working backwards, Nathan. We're working um, almost back to front. So what would happen now is I might put, so let's, in, for instance, I'm putting on um, just, I'm playing something like um, Dance the Night Away. So what I would probably do on pedal two would be to play um, an E and the B B7 um, and let that sort of go along. And then I'd switch to pedal three, which I would then either stick a bass line on or just something else. Sometimes I only use two of the three, but I always start with the pedal that is furthest away from the guitar. So as I said, I plug in my guitar into the first pedal, second pedal, third pedal, and then the speakers or the PA or the amp at the other end. But I then work in reverse. The drums go on the furthest pedal away, the last pedal in loop will have the drums and then the second to last will have the next bit on and the, the, you know, and, and so on, but you have to work backwards. If you do it the other way round, then everything you put on the first pedal will then be transferred to the second pedal and then the third, and it becomes mushy. And believe me, as I said in one of my previous um, podcasts, we learn lessons the hard way in this industry. So if you want your drums to sound clean, then they have to be the furthest away. You know, it works like that. The great thing also about the Digitech Jam Man, which I discovered as well, is if I wanted to get really, really technical, was that I'm able to, I, if I want to, which I don't, but if I, may, if I wanted to, if I, if I were making an album or making a live recording, I could take a separate line from each of those pedals and put them into a separate input on the uh, PA. So therefore, I could go from pedal three and have that in you know into, into its own three separate inputs, um, and also the octave pedal. When I used that for a while, I was able to just take the bass off of that. So when I made a recording, uh, um, which uh, I never released, but it was just for me, I made a recording once, and uh, I I was able to put the whole of that sounding, um, those sounds that I was able to find. So pedal one, two, three, and. The octave pedal was able to put those on four separate tracks, even though it's the same guitar and even though it's the same loop pedal setup. I was able to split um, the signal and then mix it to exactly the right levels and tweak each of those effects individually. So, I was able, even though it was all from one guitar, I was able to take the drums on a separate track and add a little bit of reverb. I was able to take one of the other guitars and just tweak that. So, although it was done in one take and one recording. I was able to treat it as if it was uh, four different instruments. And that was pretty cool to be able to do that. So I think most of the the things I try to do, and I do love a gadget, is uh, I I like to sit with the problem for longer. I think that's important because I'm fine with it. I'll sit with it and I'll I'll ponder in it. I'll I'll ponder on it for ages, just trying to find the right way. But invariably I find a way and then it ends up being okay and, and and you tweak things. But that's it, Nathan. It is three digitech jam man uh, xts um wired um from the guitar straight to the pa and then used in reverse so the furthest one first then the second but last then that um and with that i'm able to get exactly what i want um i hope you enjoyed what you saw by the way and it, and it's really cool for me to do because i i like a challenge and i like to be able to um Put something together, and what I love about it more than anything else is, I'm live again. You know, for somebody who who hasn't really been in a band for a little while, I can be a hundred percent live, and it just means if people are having having fun or if people are enjoying what I do, um, I'm able to put another verse in or another chorus in or extend things, and it gives me an opportunity to react to that audience a lot more. Like you know, if you're in a band with somebody, you know, go around again the dancing. But with the loop pedal, uh, you know, I'm able to do that again, whereas with the backing tracks and things like that, of course, once a song finishes, it finishes. So that's why I like the loop uh, setup. And uh, I think I do it well. I don't think I've mastered it. I think uh, a lot of people do ask me about it, but I've only really scratched the surface of, of what I can do with it, Nathan. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish I had more time to explore it, but... There's no need for it. I don't always use it that much these days. And uh, I know it's there if I want it. And I know that I can get back into it if I want to. I I saw it as an opportunity to get the matching stuff out there um, and to make it sound more powerful and stronger than everybody else who was turning up with one guitar. So that's why I did it. But I'm glad you liked it, Nathan. And thank you so much for your question, mate. All the best to you. Finally, we mentioned that because Paula in Romford. Yeah, Paula, I wonder if you... Anywhere near the Rusk Club. I play that many times. Uh, Paula asks, what software do you use to play your backing tracks live? Um, um When I've used MP3 and used it, um, I I use uh, Fubar or something like that. But the most reliable thing that I've had, I, and then it's lasted sort of 15 or 16 years and, and touch wood, never had much of a problem with it. Is mini disc. I still use mini disc. I I like to get my tracks, put them on mini disc, take them live, um, and I've got a Sony mini disc which I'm able to, you know, take a left and right uh, auxiliary from and straight in, and it just gives me what I want. And and I think I probably can count on the fingers of one hand the times that something's happened, like a disc has slipped or something's gone wrong. Usually, it's really really, really reliable, whenever I've stepped away from it and moved on, because I've tried it all, Paul, if I tr- try a tablet, moved on to a mobile phone, moved on to, you know, all of these different things, a jukebox at one point, which is like a little sort of uh, MP3 jukebox thing, I've always gone back to Minidisc. Whenever I've needed to be, when it, you know, wh- whenever someone said to me, it's this needs to be, if my life depended on it, I would use Minidisc. All right, because MP3s, although they're good, mini discs. I have tried and tested for years, and and the guy I work with in High and Dry, you may have seen us, um, Ken. He has used mini discs for years. He was using it pro- probably ten years before I started working with him in two thousand and four. So, um, it's just the most reliable thing. Um, so that's with regards to the software that I use to get my backing tracks um that's a slightly different matter because some of those backing tracks are, are quite old and they were midis which they called midis at the original time and that were programmed um with midi and then our instruments alive so what we have on the on the backing track um is you know some nice midi drums and things like that but you know a lot of the tracks I, I try and mix myself there are various websites karaoke version although it's not karaoke The the website's called Karaoke Version, but you can mix the track. And I'd always advise that instead of paying $149 and just downloading the track, you know, you pay sort of $199 and and you're able to custom mix the track to how you want it. So you would say in in our band, I play acoustic and somebody else plays electric guitar and we've got the piano going on. And so we don't need any of that on the track because we're going to be playing that live. And, you know, it keeps it live. It keeps it protected. And all of the songs have a proper start and a proper ending. There's nothing worse than a fade out, you know, if if you're watching somebody singing on their own and the song fades out. I, I think that if you're gonna protect the business, so if you're gonna um people are gonna believe that you're live, and you of course you are singing live, um, then you have to have proper starts and proper endings like a band would have, like a full band would have. And I think that's important. I may be giving the secrets away a bit here, but you know, anybody with common sense can see sometimes when you're watching a duo up there, there's no drummer. Um, doesn't stop them dancing, doesn't stop them having a good time. But just from a, you know, a professional point of view and just from our perspective, we're always looking to be as live as we can. And, and we don't want to play along with a guitar that's already on there. We want to play the guitars live and we want to sing live. Um, and we want to take as much of it um, with a live feel as we possibly can. That's so important. So what I use, Paula, is mini disc um, Still. And we are always looking. We're always looking. At what can we use now? What can we use? What shall we use? I always come back to it. I've started in recent times using a tablet, um, and something sometimes as as easy as your phone, if you've got your tracks on there and 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 the sound quality is good. You know, providing that you have it on flight mode. Of course, you don't want <laughs> you don't want your mother ringing you halfway through your show. But um, yeah, most of it is uh, is mini disc parlor, and that's that's what we use. And karaoke version to get our tracks, which we then try and meticulously mix to get them just right for us. Thank you for your question, my love. If you, if you do know where the Rusk is, we will be back there in 2021. Uh, the dates are yet to be confirmed, but um, we will be there. And I'll look forward to uh, seeing you then if you're in that area. If not, thank you for listening. Thank you for your question. Do you have a song in your head? Turn your ideas into full songs. With a team of professional musicians, engineers and producers, we can turn even the simplest demo into full studio quality recordings. Go to www.innovationstudios.com Next question is Greg in Havering. Havering, Atibawa. Greg says... Hi, Marcus. What is your favourite venue to play? Um, oh, goodness me! How, how do you how do you say this without offending people? Um, my favourite venue, uh, I think, probably um, there there are two or three that spring to mind. Um, one of them was to play uh, the Basildon Festival at uh, Gloucester Park in Basildon, which we, we we played a big festival, which we. We headlined and we had a wonderful time, and um, it was a park in which I'd grown—you know, pretty much grown up—and to be standing there and headlining a festival, and and to have you know lots of people having fun, and we were playing, and and to look out and to be able to see, it, for those of you that know Basildon, to be able to see Saint Nicholas Church on the hill, and to be able to see uh, the town gate in the distance, and all of these things, th- these kind of local. Um, what would you call it just just uh things that you've seen all your life um you know uh, I can't think what they call it but they, but um to, to be able to see all of these um places that you knew as a kid and there all of a sudden there you are you know playing um on a on a big stage in a park in the park that you grew up in and to be able to look over and see you know all of these the as i say the church on the hill and to be able to see the um all the, the the goal posts that used to and the cricket pitches that used to play on and all things like that um to be able to see that was really cool so that that's a, a great memory for me because uh just on a personal level um butlins at bognor was a, a special one for me as well because i grew up there as well that was always our holiday every year as a family and um to see all the great artists play there over the years, and then eventually to to headline it and play there in our own right, and to and to tread on that stage, to, to stand on that stage, and and to look out, um, where I'd spent so many years watching, was uh, was a wonderful thing. But I think probably um, when I was a kid, the 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 place that I knew the most about was um and 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 kind of knew of was the cavern in Liverpool, and uh, never even considered that I'd even probably go to Liverpool when I first was a teenager, you know, and um, let alone to play the cavern and then to sell it out was, was just an unbelievable experience. And uh, the Oasis tribute sold it out more than once, but I've played it in a couple of other things and I've played acoustically there uh, once or twice. Um, and I haven't, we haven't played it for a couple of years now. I mean, but, but we had, it's still the greatest place I've ever played because it's steeped in history. And, you know, to to be there and to see all of the... I mean, as a huge Beatles fan, to to be on the, at that place. And I know that people will say, well, it's not the real cavern, because the real cavern, they knocked it down and whatever. But it was good enough for Paul McCartney in 1999. It's good enough for us. Um, so to play at the cavern and to travel to Liverpool the first time... Um, which is, again, I'd have to say that it is to, to kind of add a question on um, to what you actually asked me, um, is to say, Greg, is um, to say that probably the best place to play is Liverpool because I've played there, played the Matthew Street Festival. Matthew Street Festival was huge. And when you first go to Liverpool and you see the town hall and you've got all, you know, growing up, there's pictures of the Beatles outside the town hall and you see all of these famous venues and these and and the the statues and you I mean you go to McDonald's and there's pictures of the Beatles in India it's just the most amazing place in the world liverpool i love it um it's also the only place that i've ever been asked if i if i wanted any uh, cocaine at 9:30 in the morning in starbucks <laughs> and uh, of course i didn't and um but uh, yeah uh, have you got you know do you ask me if i wanted any no no Nine thirty in the morning at Starbucks. I think it's only beaten by um, in Newcastle seeing two bouncers on a Costa Coffee at half past eight in the morning throwing people out where where they've been on it all night. So um, Liverpool is is probably the best place to play. It's just lovely, and I, I love going there. I love travelling up there. Um, I don't I don't like travelling up there, but I like being in Liverpool. I wish I wish I had a time a time machine or. So I didn't have to sit in the van for five, six hours to get there. But um, when you arrive in Liverpool, there's something about it that other places just just don't have. Manchester's great because, obviously, to go, to go and play Manchester and to be in an Oasis tribute and to go back and play Manchester. And bearing in mind, we're all gooners, you know, apparently, according to the people from Manchester, we're gooners. Any, anybody south of Watford is a gooner. Um, so we go and do that. And um, Manchester's always great because they... That You know, the p- music that we're playing is in their blood and it's it's fabulous. But Liverpool and the Cavern, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely the best best place I ever played. And, and I hope that at some point uh, I will get the opportunity to play it again. But you know what? If I don't, I've played it a handful of times and, and loved it every time. And I've got some great memories of that, Greg. So th- I'm glad you asked me that question, mate. Thanks very much for that. Um, yeah, a little trip down memory lane there for you. Cheers, Greg probably make this the final question it's nick n i n i c in ingate stone and nick says when we're playing a pub with our own pa what is the best way to set up uh use the amps nick um and uh, i think always it depends what you what you are you don't you don't uh, specify what what you are but i'm assuming you're two guitars bass and drums um so let's assume you are let the amps do the work put them at the back uh, you want your drummer there, and then a nice nice rack of amps, maybe the guitar player's bass bass amp next to the drummer um and then a guitar amp kind of uh, either side, and then vocals, just vocals really through the through the front uh p a so you want two what we love to call two on stands so uh Walterwall were notorious for turning up at venues and walking in and going two on stands because you turn up and you could put your two two vocal p a speakers on stands. Things have changed a little bit, Nick, in as much as you know some of these places can get a little bit crazy and 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 really they're in your face and so you so your p a speakers need to be nice and high um and then all you do is you sometimes a little bit of kick through the p a but hardly any um let the amps do the work sometimes um if you have a huge great p a and and uh You know, people stand in front of it. It doesn't matter how loud it is. Someone will stand in front of it. You know, nothing makes a difference. So there are certain venues out there where it doesn't work. But PA speakers, nice and high with your vocal through them. And then let the amps do the work in terms of playing the music. That would be my advice. But, you know, people would also say, well, you know, uh, guitars could get lost in the mix because if it gets really crowded. But look, so could the everything could get lost in the mix when it gets really crazy. But as a rule, just vocals through the front to two speakers and let the amps do the work, Nick. That's the best way. And um, obviously, your guitar players and things like that, th- they should know anyway, but they should have boosters and things like that for when they go into a solo. Um, there's, there's There are ways. But that's if you're setting up in a pub. Keep it simple because at the end of the night, you want to get out of there, mate. You, you know, uh, if you start micing up everything and all that, you're only going to be too loud. Um, and you'll be loud enough if you've got decent equipment, you'll be loud enough. So uh, honestly, Nick, two on stands, as uh, we always used to love to say. Um, There are different things. I mean, um, wall-to-wall, we used to take, I used to take a signal from my uh, amplifier and then put it for a volume pedal, which then I swelled into the PA speakers at the front when I went into a solo, which at the time seemed okay, but listening back now, yeah, it doesn't quite sound as uh, solid as, as I would have liked it to sound, but did the job and sounded okay. So, yeah, d- do it that way. Um, but uh, I, I appreciate your question, Nick. Thanks very much. And as a matter of fact, I can squeeze one more in because that was quite a fast answer. Uh, Graham in Brentwood says, I saw your tribute to Oasis a few times. I wondered what was the biggest challenge about playing the part of Noel." Graham in Brentwood, what is the biggest challenge about playing the part of Noel? Keeping my weight down. I can't. I'm a foot taller than Noel anyway for a start, right? But um, keeping my weight down because I like nice things, Graham. I like, you know. And and the, the trouble is with this lifestyle and and uh, being in bands and being performing on a Friday and a Saturday night is you don't want to eat before you go. And you don't want too much, you know, weighing heavy on you while you're trying to sing. So you, you sort of think, well, I'll, I'll have a sandwich or something bigger for lunch. And then you, I'll go off and play the show and I'll eat something late at night. But what's open late at night? Pizza places, kebab places. And the biggest challenge with Noel is because he's so bloody stick thin. And, and my brother who plays Liam is, uh, you know, he keeps himself in trim. And there I am, you know, trying to every every sort of year. The, the wig seems to get a bit bigger to make my face look smaller. It's keeping my weight down because when it comes to getting the sound right, I, I felt that I got the sound pretty close and I've had some nice comments and I feel I have the sound fairly close, but the accent was hard as well um, because um, the first, first few times when you're trying to play a character like that, I mean, I'm, I'd i have interviews with Noel going around in, the, in my car and on the stereo at home for hours and hours and hours so I could just try and tune into it. And I've not done it for a while, but... He's got quite a high, uh, quite a, a fairly high voice as well. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but, it, but he has. He hasn't got that sort of deep Bobby George thing going on. Um, so when you're trying to work on that accent, you have to pick up on little things that he says, uh, little Noelisms. Um, you know, we're the best. That's it. We're the best. And um, you can kind of get away with that. And I also found that Noel... When he's singing, puts an H in the middle of things, so he'll sing like say, put something like that. Um, but Graham, the biggest challenge about playing Noel Gallagher is keeping my weight down. I, I, I just can't. When I, it, it kind of controls me, it's better than Slimming World or Weight Watchers or any of those great, uh, you know, companies that look after people in that way, because the thoughts that I've that I'm playing Noel at the end of the month, or I've got a run of shows with the tribute, um, keeps me from sticking my face in the fridge, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's the biggest challenge about playing, Noel was getting the accent right, um, the singing, and yeah, just making sure I try and keep my weight down, because it, it you know, it, you, you feel like a boxer, you know, you feel a little bit like you've got a show at the end of the month, and you know, I need to get my weight down, um and it's yeah that's that's the hardest thing about it this can be an electric lifestyle and you can eat plenty of junk food and i do not keep myself in rasping trim graham i can promise you but when i have a few shows coming up and i know i've got that i don't want the pressure of looking um, too big for the part so i try as hard as i can to uh, i wouldn't say i look the best i can but to look more believable than I than I would uh, I would be if I allowed myself the pleasures of of the extra dairy milks, um, because unlike every you know like same as everybody else, I like a blowout at Christmas. There's nothing worse than having a blowout at Christmas and knowing you've got an oasis show, maybe two weeks into the new year, thinking, "Wow, you know, just I can't eat because it's important." So that's the biggest challenge about playing uh, playing Noel, and I'm glad. Um, that you've seen us a few times and I hope that you will see us again when all of this stuff blows over and we get some sort of normality. I hope very much that we will uh, be back out there again playing some shows. We don't do it um, to the level that we did it 10, 12 years ago. We probably only play 20 to 30 shows a year because everyone's grown up, everyone's moved on and the Boys have got other things that they want to do, and i 've got other things that I want to do, but when we do get together it 's always great and always um always a blast and always great to take that music out there um so graham if you if you do come and see us again, let us know you're coming to see us once uh, some dates in twenty twenty one are confirmed and um you know we'll we'll I'll be love to meet you and we 'll have a beer or something and uh, Thank you very much for your question as a matter of fact, thanks everybody for all of your questions this week. I hope I shared some memories with you. I hope that you've uh, picked my brains and I've been as honest as I can be again. I'm too honest sometimes for my own good, but that's uh, who I am and I can't really change it now. Thanks for listening. I will see you all next week. Don't forget www.innovationstudios.com or send me an email at innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay safe, look after yourselves, and I'll be back next week. Thank you very much for listening. All the best. See ya.